The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 71 of the Underdog Sports MLB show. We're officially at the point where you and I, Bryce, might need to start guessing numbers from other sports and other in order to jazz up what we do at the beginning here. Um, but it is Sunday, July 19th. This is the last week leading into opening day, so we're going to give you our revised 60-game season predictions in terms of awards, winners, etc. And I was just saying this to you before we started. It was just really nice to see the Yankees and the Mets play an actual game of baseball. It was good. It was good to say. Um, it was good to see a game, any game. I watched soccer earlier in the day. Um, not my cup of tea. Were you watching that Man U game? No, I didn't go. I didn't watch it. I watched one yesterday. I didn't need to watch two, you know. I not my cup of tea. Uh, but I would like to call out Michael K and David Cohn for something. Okay, before you do that, my thoughts on soccer. Any sport. My two thoughts, and I think you're going to share something similar. One, I really do struggle with any sport where you could die. You can die to any sport. And I think it should be the opposite. I think baseball, because there's so many games, should be the only sport where you can die. Whereas in a sport like soccer. Oh, tie. Tie. I thought you should die. Oh, my. (laughs) Tie. T-I-E. But, uh, again, you and I are by no – I think we're the typical Americans when it comes to watching soccer. Um, I, I just, I know the strategy is you move the ball and work away, work around for the best shot, but I subscribe to soccer and hockey. Like I, cause I subscribe to it from the standpoint of Scatico hockey and soccer, which is just the more times you shoot, the better chance you have to score. And that's how I feel watching the pros. It's just like quit passing the ball around for five minutes. I want to see you shoot. Yeah. I, you're, you're glossing over my time abroad on this one. I'll let that slide. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like action. There's more so hockey. You can see a bunch of shots get fired off. Yes. And hockey, I I've fallen in and out of love with on a couple occasions. Usually because it's a lot of fun to bet. Uh, back in my betting heyday, uh, God bless Philip Forsberg and those 2018 Nashville Predators. We uh, we all remember you fondly. What could have been, man? What could have been? Could have been. You should have been, honestly. You're telling me. Um, but, yeah, soccer just doesn't really um, – I just don't get as invested. I think there's a lot of – I like when the city I lived in in France does well. I root for the French national team. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. But uh, I'm not good at – I don't just like watching it. It, it doesn't captivate me like an NBA game. Or, yeah. And I think the biggest issue for me is if you're going to watch top soccer, it's not the MLS – and it's just on at weird times based on whatever not American country it's at. Yeah, that's definitely a struggle. I'm not uh, – I mean, my, my coworker, when he comes over for work, if there's a soccer game on in the middle of the afternoon, he'll, he'll sit on – he'll watch the game. And I'd, I'd almost I'd – rather, I'd rather work. <laughs> Says all you need to say. But all, all but just to say, what is the bone you have to pick with Kay and Coney? Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, for remembering, because I completely forgotten. No problem. That's what I'm here for. To tie it uh, th- this was, I, this is something similar to my Zoom graduation experience. We get that there is a pandemic, and that you're not actually at City Fields calling the game. You don't have to say it every time. You don't have to keep hinting at it throughout the game. Just call the fucking game. I agree with that. It's it's restating the obvious. I mean, I was at the point yesterday. I listened to the game in the car. And it's been so long since I heard their voice that even listening to Susan and John were great. Well, that seems like you, uh, you, you got, you got issues, my friend. I mean, even listening, no, to, even listening to John and Susan was great, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's like at my graduation, I didn't need, I didn't need every speaker to say, 
we know this isn't the graduation you wanted. We at, the same, at, at the same time, it's a little bit strange, though, that they still have them go to the stadium to call the game, like on the road. So, like, last night the Yanks played in City Field and Coney and Kay were at Yankee Stadium calling the game to an empty stadium. Like, can they not just get them, like, a studio or just a room to sit in? Yeah, that was strange. But Either I guess way, you're one... staring at a TV for three-plus hours. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure – why don't they want – they probably would prefer to just be in the Yes studio six feet apart. Correct, 100%. And I think that would be more enjoyable for us as viewers. Yeah, plus then you just, you know, get whoever in the Yes studio and just have people coming in and out. Yeah, Michael K running around Yankee Stadium by himself – Congrats, man, but... Uh, Sounds like it could be a good sitcom. Could be a sitcom, maybe. The Adventures of Michael K and Yankee Stadium. By himself. Amen to that. All right, number 71 on the Yankees. When, I, when you saw number 71, you said, I think there was somebody significant, and I quickly said, I don't think so. <laughs> um, Austin Romine came up with the number 71. He wore it just in 2011. Uh, and Stephen Tarpley left-handed relief pitcher award in 2018 and 2019. Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong about that. I'm looking to see the – Mario Lemieux is a pretty good 71er. Yeah, I'm pulling up that, ble- that 10-year-old Bleacher Report article that I usually refer to in cases such as this. Yeah, uh, other, that one. other good choices, Walter Jones, good pick, and Malkin. What, did I not say that? No, you said Mario Lemieux. I meant Malkin. Which then got me thinking in my head, holy shit, they had Lemieux and Malkin both were 71. That's crazy. Uh, no, I think, was, I think Lemieux is 66. That's right to me. Same article. Eight years old, still gets the job done in a pinch like this. Um, well, I mean, if someone that great had shown up wearing the number 71 in the last uh, eight years, we, we would know. That's true. I agree. Um, before we get to our predictions – you know, we have a bunch of Corona updates we're going to do throughout this, but the two that were the most jarring to me, and they go back to what you've been saying for weeks, probably even months at this point, that they're not going to finish the baseball season. The first came earlier in the week, and the MLB schedule was presented in such a way that the first game of the 2020 season is, if you're going to do an interleague matchup, probably one of the two most marquee matchups you can get. Uh, if it wasn't going to be Yanks-Dodgers, they instead went with the Yankees going to D.C. to face off with the defending champion Nationals. Uh, again, you have the defending World Series winners, biggest biggest franchise in the game going to visit, and that's how they're going to kick off the season. And earlier this week, there was reports that the city of D.C. had still not cleared the Nationals to play and that the opening day of the baseball season was either going to be in Barrow Beach, Florida, or Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, no offense to Fredericksburg, Virginia. My dad said it's a great place to travel through. He goes there for work. Um, but it's definitely not D.C., and you want to have as few people going to Florida as possible right now. Uh, that would at least be my thought based on everything we've read about how this virus has spread and the numbers. The Nationals ended up getting clearance. So the opening day is going to be in D.C. But to me, this was one of two massive wake-up calls we had this week where we are a week out from opening day. How has baseball's marquee matchup to start the season not gotten approved to play in their given venue yet? I mean, it, it did, uh, so I'll leave that short because the next one is an absolute clusterfuck. And this is the one that you and I kind of worried about the most from the beginning, and this is going back to months and months, even pre-pandemic, where international travel gets a little washy. Uh, and this was – we brought this up with Montreal, for instance, when the Blue Jays were thinking of splitting, and then we said it's impossible. There's too many differences. Right. Well, Federal law came into play here, and the city of Toronto and the Canadian government have denied the Blue Jays' approval to play home games in the city of Toronto during the COVID-19 pandemic. And right now, it is looking like Dundee in Florida, where the team hosts spring training, has been floated, but it is looking like for just this year, you are going to have the Buffalo Blue Jays. Um, the alliteration is nice. That's all I got. It's just this to me. It's so it's such a bad. It's so dumb. I can't believe they didn't figure this part out. It also goes to show that Canada, a country who's getting, who has about three hundred new cases a day. How serious they're taking this? How seriously they're taking the virus, and that America uh, should really be looking at this as a sign. I mean, baseball is going to have to start. They have to try at this point, but. 
if Canada's not letting one team do it, uh, they're, they're doing it with health and safety in mind. So not a good omen for going forward. Before I rant about the MLB, is the NHL season resuming in a bubble? Um, I've stopped. Again, Philip Forsberg. All Forsberg updates aside, I'm not sure. I know Edmonton was floated out. I think Canada, the Canadian government, likes the concept of a bubble. They just are afraid of Americans flying in and around their country than going to Toronto. Well, but that's what I'm saying, though. I think in the NHL, this becomes another fear because, you know, you have five teams in Canada. There's, I think, 22 teams coming back for the NHL season. If teams are flying back and forth, that's also going to be a huge issue in the NHL. Well, the NHL is going to do a bubble. They are doing a bubble. Okay. It's going to be a bubble. I'm just not sure where the bubble is. Okay, so then scrap that. I mean, my first thought is kudos to the city of uh, Buffalo because come September when the NHL resumes, you're going to have three professional sports teams to root for, which is crazy. City of Buffalo. God bless. You're, um, that, you're making a lot of assumptions, Chase. That's true. God willing, you will have three teams to root for. If, if everything goes absolutely right, which we are very adamant we do not think is going to happen. Uh, to me, I mean, look, it's one thing when you have to uproot a city. The fact that a week before opening day, an entire team's front office did this and that. Anyone who was going to be at the stadium is going to have to uproot to another country within a week or two to get this going. Uh, just an absolute disaster. I, really, it's a huge disaster for the players because even though, even if they were going to be mostly confined to a hotel in the Rogers Center, they were still familiar with the city in Toronto. You're now uprooting all of these players. Toronto's uh, also a city that is relatively, that's more open than most of these U.S. I mean, Toronto of any MLB team, I think they had the most bulletproof plan because you could go from a hotel at the Rogers Center and go underground to the stadium itself. So very minimal exposure. You're going from a dome stadium to playing outdoors in Buffalo now that the next few months. So on the field, you know, who knows what that's going to look like. And it's just, I mean, like, I haven't seen any Blue Jays back out of the season because of this, but. Now you might. This is, I mean, this is reason enough for me, obviously not a Toronto Blue Jay, but I would look at it and say, do I want to, I'm sure they set up homes in Canada. Oh, yeah. I mean, one silver lining is, you know, the core of this Blue Jays team, Bichette, Biggio, Vlad Jr., et cetera. They all came up through the system, and they all played in Buffalo, so at least they do have some familiarity with the city. Um, but, again, I mean, this is just a terrible look for the game. But now they're going to have to do six months. They're going to have to do their two months entirely on the road. Yeah. Not even in a bubble. They're going to just be on the road. It, this is just – it's a terrible look for Major League Baseball, the fact that, again, they spent so much time going over the money, this and that. And, again, when federal governments get involved with, you know, America and Canada and a border, I know it's a totally different issue. But you sandwich this and D.C. together from the past week, and it's just how did we not lock in the literal stadiums to play in with the season a week away? Yeah, this is a very I, – we always talk about optics, Chase. This is very bad optics. These are some bad optics. We'll do one more Corona update, uh, and then we'll do our predictions. Uh, we'll go through five players real quick. So Yasiel Puig, it looked like there was going to be a great landing spot for him with the Braves. Marquecas opts out. Puig goes in. Uh, I mean, again, Puig, Puig is a guy who I think at one point was overrated. Now I would say he's slightly underrated. I mean, again, the fact that Puig – I had to look how old Puig was, and he's only 28. Uh, he came up when he was 22, so he's still on the young side. Last year, he had 267, 327, 458, 24 homers uh, between the Reds and the Indians. And Braves fans were pumped, and right as they signed him, he announced Friday he tested positive for COVID-19. Now Puig can't sign with any team for at least two weeks. Um, I mean, you feel for the guy, you feel for both parties in this case, because I do think he was going to contribute to the Braves. But, you know, I wonder at what point – do teams now shy away from Puig, given him on a team, finally gave him a shot? He then came forward and said, yeah, I tested positive for coronavirus. Sorry. I think someone will give him a shot next offseason. I, I, I feel like it's tough to work. The, the Yasiel Puig, I'm not, I don't have character concerns about him, but he's a, he's a, he's a personality and not a guy that you can easily integrate into a clubhouse. I do think it's worth noting, though, he's a winner. Uh, and, again, I know so much of baseball is what the team does. But for what it's worth, in seven MLB seasons, his team has won 90-plus games all seven times. 
Not the Reds. But he finished on the Indians. I mean, that's like. It's what they say. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. Yeah, but it's uh, you're you're misleading. I agree. Hey, I'm just telling you what the tweet said, not me. You know what I'm saying. Uh, Austin Meadows, he tested positive for coronavirus. Last year, the 25-year-old emerged as an all-star building block for the Rays, 291, 364, 558, 33 home runs, 12 stolen bases. Uh, Meadows is looking like he could be on track for opening day, but this is a guy that lingers into the regular season. Uh, how much do you think losing his bat hurts the Rays lineup, given he's probably one, maybe two to three guys who are going to be an everyday player for the Rays versus some crazy platoon that they have planned? I'm worried about it. Uh, I didn't factor that in when making my picks, but I may have to dock the Rays a win. Okay, so a one-win difference. Good to know. That's a massive difference in my picks. So I didn't know that Didi had a kidney condition all these years when he was the Yankee. It turns out Didi Gregorius does have a kidney condition, uh, and he will be wearing a mask at all times this season. Clint Frazier is doing the same thing for the Yankees. Uh, if anything, Twitter was set ablaze last night because Clint and Didi wore masks in their exhibition games and both hit home runs. Uh, so now it was like the classic, like, wear a mask, hit a home run type campaign. Uh, but do you think, even for players, you know, you have two guys here. You have Didi, who's wearing it for a genuine health issue. You have Clint Frazier, who's – 25 years old and probably the healthiest he's ever been in his baseball career uh, wearing the mask just to set a good example. Do you think we'll see more players take the Clint Frazier line of just wearing a mask at all times to be safe, set a good example for fans watching? I don't think so. Baseball players are such creatures of habit. You might get a couple more wear a mask, but maybe if people are slumping, they'll throw on the mask to try and find something new. But baseball players, they're so they're so locked in with what their routine is, not likely to change. Fair enough. Being a medical opt-out, uh, Cardinals closer Jordan Hicks, he of the 105-mile-per-hour fastball, uh, he was expected to open on the season's injured list. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery, but he also has type 1 diabetes, so he opted out on Tuesday. And to me, you know, the Cardinals, I – do think are it's definitely in the top half of the NL Central. Um, but again, it's going to be a very deep division. I think Carlos Locks and Carlos Martinez is closer. Um, but again, in a weird way, I think this is a win for the Cardinals just because they preserve a year of service time on Jordan Hicks for a year where he wasn't going to pitch a ton anyway because he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Am I crazy to think that that's logical? Yeah, I mean, it's, like, selfish, but I guess you're not wrong. <laughs> okay. You're not wrong. It does – I mean, it's – I get in the end, it's good for the Cardinals. You're right. Last COVID player update, DJ LeMayu came back for the Yankees this week. Uh, he's actually in the lineup against the Mets tonight. Opening day is on Thursday. Do you think DJ will be in the lineup against the Nationals? No. Okay. Uh, follow-up question, who do you think starts at second base for the Yankees opening day, then? Urshela. Dude, I saw him taking ground balls there. If he can, like, hold down the fort there for, like, two, three games, I'm all in on it. So I, don't, I mean, I, again, it's so tough to say. Just because you're back doesn't mean you're back. I mean, 100%. You mentioned, I mean, Freddie Freeman – he said he at one point had an 104.5 degree fever from this and was literally playing, praying to God not to die because the virus had him so sick. So you look at a guy like Freeman, he's a great example. If somebody's talking about being so sick that he was praying to God not to die, who knows when he's going to be anywhere near Freddie Freeman, you know, in a normal year. Yeah. Again, it's, it's so tough to say. We don't know enough about the virus and how the long-term effects are. I got my test today. You do swab or spit? Swab. How's that? The uh, the staff was good at the clinic on 14th Street. Rapid test? No, I have to wait a week or so. Wait till you get that email. It's one of the most stressful things because for me it said, uh, I got my test back Monday and it doesn't say if you're negative or positive in the subject of the email. It just says COVID-19 test results. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you go, <laughs> but then when you see the negative, you exhale and you dance around the apartment a little bit. Well, let's hope. Because the alternative is you drop the phone and you go, oh, fuck, I got a lot of phone calls to make. I know. That's, yeah. I mean, one, I've been, of which, one of which would be to me in your case. You'd probably be the first of a maybe, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the first call. I'll give you the first call, positive or negative, on Monday or next Monday. I appreciate it. Um, all right, in terms of predictions for the 2020 season, we will get right into it, starting with our Yanks in the AL East. I know you have detailed win-loss records. I did not go that far. Um, before we do the division in order, do we both agree the Yanks are taking the East this year? Yeah, I got them at 37 and 23. All right, my standings in order, I think, will be Yanks, Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Orioles. I have the Red Sox ahead of the Blue Jays because I think this uncertainty is really going to mess them up. I have the Yankees and Rays as the only two above 500 teams. Yeah, I would put the Red Sox and Blue Jays right around 500. I, they're a couple games shy. I mean, everything's good. I'll, I'll save that point for the end. All right, AL Central, all the Twins did was go and upgrade their pitching staff a little bit. You know, they're going to have a full year of Rich Hill. They also added Josh Donaldson. I was going to say, and got Josh Donaldson. And I think just by – aside from Donaldson's talent, I think Miguel Sano at first defensively could be a big swing for them. Uh, I think they're going to be – I have them. I actually have them with more wins than the Yankees. So I'm going to go – Twins, Indians, Whites. I'm actually going to go pretty identical to last year, but Twins, Indians, White Sox, Royals, Tigers. I got the White Sox uh, coming in second. Yeah, I think losing Kopesh hurts them, and I just think in a shortened season, the White Sox have a lot of youth. I think the Indians just have a handful more veterans that I think get them there, but I think those are two, those are two teams that are separated by two, three wins tops. Uh, I actually think the Indians are going to take a big step back without Kluber. I had the Indians at 500 exactly. I think the big thing for them is I think you have a pretty sure thing in the one-two with Bieber and Clevenger is can Carlos Carrasco come back and be an anchor at the three-hole because the bullpen's still good. I think the lineup is still solid. Yeah, but that that's a solid one-two, but that was going into the last year. That was your three-four. No, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think that's a big drop-off for them. I think you just um, need to hope with the White Sox – I mean, I think both both of those teams are going to beat up on the Royals and the Tigers. It's going to be ugly if you're a Royals and Tigers fan. Uh, I think with the White Sox, I mean, their lineup, to me, has got to be top five, six in baseball. I mean, I think Luis Robert is legit. Eloy Jimenez is legit. You brought in Encarnacion and Grandal, who are both going to just extend the lineup even more. Um, lineup is very good. I think you just need to hope that, you know, you're getting – more like 2017 Dallas Keuchel. You hope Gio still got a little bit of gas left in the tank. But the big thing is you got to hope that Lucas Giolito last year, that was just the first of many leaps towards being Chase, a It seems like you're talking yourself into putting the White Sox ahead of the Indians. No, because those are all, I think, a lot of what-ifs. But I'm all in on the lineup. Okay. Um, AL West, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I know the Astros are your World Series pick. For a second, I was like – could the A's win this division? But I just look at that Astros lineup. It's so freaking good and deep. Dude, I have the Astros winning 41 of their 60 games because I think they could just run through Rangers, Angels, Mariners, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Giants, Padre. I think, I think them and the Dodgers got the biggest breaks because the rest of that West is pretty weak. I'm going to go for the wild for that division. I'm going to go Astros, A's, Rangers, Angels, Mariners. I think that's the order I have. I, I just think as much as I love that Angels lineup, Otani's coming back from TJ and just behind him. It's I love Griff Canning, UCLA guy, but the likes of Andrew Haney, Griff Canning, Bundy. I know we love Dylan Bundy. We, we love, love Bundy. Pujols, but I just don't think that's going to be enough. We love Bundy and Pujols, but you're missing Trout for at least two weeks. Yeah, and who knows when the baby's born, if they don't get off to a hot start the first week or two, he just might say, screw it, I'm going to be with my kid. And That's I why I say at least two weeks. He's got to have to go for the two weeks, and then is he going to come back to that mess? And I love Justin Upton also. Justin Upton's going to be that guy who, because he came up so young and has just been solid for so long, is going to finish with like 400-plus homers, and you're going to be like, when did Justin Upton hit all these home runs? Yeah, I'm excited for that day. All right, who are your two? So we both have the same division winners. Who are your two wild cards? White Sox and A's. I went with the A's and the Rays. I have White Sox and A's. I just think that Rays team is too good to be out. Um, of that, I'm going to write down what my seeding would be right now, but give me yours in the meantime. 
Astros one, Twins two, Yankees three, White Sox four, A's five. So I'm going to go with – I do agree with you. I'm going to go Astros, Twins, Yanks, and then the – I'm going to go Astros, Twins, Yanks, Rays, A's. Um, I like the Rays coming out of the wild card game, and I actually think the Rays bounce the Astros in the first round and avenge them. I'm very – avenge last year. I'm very, very high on the Rays. I just think they're a team that's made for craziness like this. I think the Twins-Yankees, I think even if the Twins have home field advantage, uh, the Yankees win the series. But this year they win it in five. I think the Twins take some games this year, which then sets us up for a Yanks-Rays-ALCS. And I'm going to go with Yanks in seven. And the MVP of that series is going to be setup man Adam Adovino. A lot of wrong things in there, but that's okay, Chase. I'll give – I didn't even think this part through, but I'd have to go White Sox over A's in the Wilds card, Yanks over Twins, Astros over White Sox, then Houston over the Yanks yet again. And the MVP, Verlander. Why not? Okay. I can live with that. Uh, moving along to the National League, we will start in the NL East – um, I mean, look, I know the Braves are this great young team, but give me known commodities. I know they lost Rendon, but I think bringing in, you know, Starlin Castro and a few other vets, it'll help offset that slightly. Prospect Carter Kielbone comes up. I got the Nationals winning the East. I just think that Braves pitching staff right now, you know, Felix opted out. I don't think Cole Hamels is going to pitch this year. You never know what you're going to get with Fulton Evich. I just think you got to give me the team in a shortened season with three stud aces. That's true, but I love the Braves. The Braves are line, that lineup is good and young. Uh, the Braves are making a lot of bets on health, which is dangerous. But I have them winning, then the Nats, then the Phillies, Mets, and the Marlins are going to get rocked this year pretty bad. My one other concern with the Braves is just, and I know I said it with the Nationals before with losing Rendon. I think that drop off from what Donaldson gave them in the middle of that lineup last year to what Ozuna is going to give them is going to be much bigger than people realize. No, I think Ozuna's in a really good spot. I think Ozuna. I hope, so. I hope he, look, he bet on himself on a one year deal, so I hope that's the case. I think from an offense, I mean, doesn't play the same position, obviously, but from an offensive standpoint, he'll be very close to what Donaldson gave last year. So I'm going to go Braves, Nats, Mets, Phillies, Marlins. Nats, Braves, you flipped that. Nats, Braves. Um, I'm going Braves, Nats, Phillies, Mets, Marlins. All right, NL Central, I think this is the toughest one, so we'll go to that last. Uh, NL West, uh, the Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, then I got the Padres coming in second just for fun. I, I got, like Machado. I got Dodgers, D-backs, Padres, Rockies, Giants. Yeah, I have, Diamond, I have Dodgers, Padres, two games over 500, Diamondbacks at 500, and then Rockies and Giants in for a long season. All right, NL Central. Let's start off with who you got to win the division. The Reds. All right, so you're, you're believing the preseason hype. Yes. Yep, I think uh, that's totally fair. And to be honest with you, as I'm saying this right now, I'm going to change one of my picks. Um, I have the Cubs winning the division. I think Kimbrel bounces back. I think Darvish the second half was legit last year, and they're just a good deep team. And I think as much great as Joe Madden is, I just think they needed a complete change of scenery uh, in the managerial spot. So I'll take the Cubs and some of their bets. I'm worried about the – I've been saying this forever. Young man, first-time manager, crazy season. Don't love it. But I am going to take the Reds as my wild card – as one of my wild card teams. So I'm going to go Cubs, Reds. Cardinals, I think this is the year the Brewers, as great as Yelich is, I just think that lack of starting rotation, even in a crazy season, finally catches up with them. Uh, and then in last place, give me the Pirates. Pirates are going to be awful. My Pirates, who, who, who has the worst season? Pirates, Marlins, or Orioles? Or Tigers? I think the Pirates. 
Because I think the Tigers had an offseason. The Tigers and the Marlins had those offseasons where when you know your team's going to suck, you just sign some solid veterans to plug in. Like the Marlins got Villar and Corey Dickerson. The Tigers got C.J. Crone and Jonathan Scope. Like nobody was going to jump off the page, but like those two Tigers guys, like in a regular normal season, those that's 55, 60 home runs. Villar, solid all-around player. Dude, I couldn't tell you who uh, the majority of the Pirates' starting lineup is going to be. Valid, valid, valid. I actually think uh, I think the Marlins, just because they got to go up against both Easts. Who do you think finishes worse of the Marlins and the Orioles? The Marlins, because I think Nats, Braves, Phillies, Mets are a stronger one through four than Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Blue Jays. All right, fair enough. Uh, so my division, my standings, I got the Dodgers with the most wins, and then the Nats, then the Cubs. I didn't finish my NL Central, Chase. I got distracted. Fair enough. Finish it up. Reds, Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Pirates. All right. My div- I got Dodgers, Nats, Cubs, your division winners, one, two, three. Braves is the hosting the wild card game against the Reds. Uh, I got the Reds and Luis Castillo winning that game, losing to the Dodgers in the first round, and then I got – I'll take the Nats against the Cubs, and then I think the Dodgers beat the Nats in a rematch in seven games, and the NLCS MVP, Clayton Kershaw, finally fucking redeems himself somewhat. Good for him. I got Dodgers, Braves, Reds, an NL East wildcard game, Phillies at Nats, Harper goes back, hits a homer off Scherzer, so you liked, what you, you liked what you saw yesterday, man. He had a three-run bomb off Scherzer. Yeah. Yes. Uh, then, But then it runs out. They go up against the Dodgers. Dodgers blow through them. Reds beat the Braves. Dodgers beat the Reds. NLCS MVP. Mookie Betts. All right. So you have Astros-Dodgers rematch. I have Yankees-Dodgers. Rematch from a long time ago. So you have Stroh's winning the World Series. How many games? Who's the MVP? Uh, five and Verlander. I'm going to go Dodgers, Dodgers, Yanks. I think it's going to go seven. You're going to have a Walker Bueller, Garrett Cole pitching matchup in seven. But the World Series MVP is going to win it for the Dodgers late and complete his arc from released player to baseball all-star. World Series MVP. Max Muncy. How could you take against the Yankees, Chase? I pick out, dude, I told you, I think as much as, okay, well, first of all, you have the Yankees not even getting to the World Series. Well, I'm not, I, I yeah, you have, but I don't have season tickets. That is true. Well, technically, I'm not going to any games this year, so it's like the season tickets, everything just rolls over. Technically, um, or just you're not? I'm not, yeah, not technically. <laughs> um, I have an idea for you, by the way, that I ran by my dad that we'll talk about off air about the cardboard cutouts at stadiums and some ideas that I have for it. Let's hear. It'll be off air. Not appropriate. (laughs) Oh, jeez, jeez, jeez. But it's it's good. I knew not to talk about it here. Um, I just think, dude, I think the Dodgers, every year they just, they're the deepest, they're the combination of they have the most, they have so many superstars and the most depth of any team in baseball. And I just think that's a wicked one two combination here. Yeah, that's what they've been saying for a decade. I know. But I think, honestly, if they don't get it done this year, I think even though his run has been great with the Dodgers, I do think Dave Roberts' seat is going to get very, very hot if they don't at least make it back to the World Series. Yeah, it's hot, but he'll definitely be their manager in 21. I agree. You know me. I love Dave Roberts. Congratulations, Dave Roberts, by the way. He got into the UCLA Sports Hall of Fame this week. Congrats, Dave Roberts. I don't really know how much you did at UCLA, but as my friend reminded me, it had one very big stolen base in the 2000s, and we'll just leave it at that. Nothing more to report. It's like it never happened. Um, So some more corona updates around the league. Uh, This is a big one to me, and The Athletic reported it, that in at least two instances, the Diamondbacks sent players to testing sites in the Phoenix area not affiliated with the Sports Medicine Research and Testing Lab in Utah that is handling the league's testing. And the D-backs are apparently not the only team to use outside labs, so the other teams have not been identified. In both circumstances with the D-backs, the player being tested was seeking and ultimately received the second consecutive negative test required to return to play. Um, this to me, 
is a pretty big issue. And maybe it shouldn't be, but I think if you're going to be testing the whole league, how are you not all going off of the same uniform test? You want it to be consistent. It's just, it's another just weird oversight. Or not weird oversight, but just glaring oversight that the MLB did when they had to rush to get the season together. Just another thing. It's, it's really unbelievable. Uh, we talked about a few weeks ago the MLB and the MLB Players Association arguing on besting options. Ken Rosenthal said that vesting options will all be prorated. So if you needed to appear, um, Andrew Miller, for instance, if he needed 37 appearances for 12 million option, he'll now only need 14 this year. Uh, roster options will also be prorated and all 2021 vesting options will be worth their full amount. So probably the first logical money thing we've reported so far. Uh, J.A. Happ, Rich Hill, and Colin McHugh are excluded from this though, and they will need to agree to separate agreements with their teams. Um, First off, any idea why you think those guys might have been excluded? There, there was no report on that. Who were the two? Hap, Colin McHugh, and Rich Hill. Injuries? I guess. Or maybe just like the, the pro, whatever it was, couldn't necessarily fit into a pro-rated puzzle piece. Yeah, possibly. So not only do we have players opt out this year, but we also just had 11 MLB umpires opt out. Uh, according to John Heyman of the MLB Network, the umps included uh, Tom Hallian, Mike Winters, Field and Colbert, Phil Cuzzy, Brian Gorman, Jerry Lane, Scott Barry, Kerwin Danley, Sam Hullabrook, and Jerry Davis. So a lot of those names I've actually heard, which is not good. Yeah, um, I, same here. That's what And I of the 76 umps they were going to have this season, uh, that's 11 of them. So you're looking at right around – 14, you got, this, you got this. I just said 14, 15%. Called 14.5%. Um, how much do you think the on-field product is going to suffer here if they're essentially bringing in what is a second wave of not the first choice umpires to call these games? It's not going to be – it's going to be one of those situations where you won't notice anything's different until a massive fuck-up occurs, for lack of a better term. I agree with that. You just got to hope that this doesn't affect anything because at the same time, these umpires have every right to opt out just like the players. They're putting their health and safety at risk just like them. Um, it's not nearly got the same financial incentive to do so. Correct. Do you think umpires should be required to wear a mask underneath their mask given that they come into contact with almost every player over the course of a game? Probably. Do you think the league will mandate that? No, but I don't think the league ever does anything right. Fair enough. So speaking of a guy who's trying to get into the league, that is our favorite, Alex Rodriguez. Uh, A-Rod had some pretty interesting points come up. We'll start with his ownership group. Um, you know, what point do you think of ownership negotiations at the MLB, do you think they're strictly choosing the best offer in terms of finances, which in this case is going to be Steve Cohen for the Mets. He's bid over $2 billion. Or they look at this A-Rod group, which is $1.7 billion. You have A-Rod, J-Lo, Mike Repol from uh, Vitamin Water, but also guys like Brian Urlacher, Joe Thomas, Travis Kelsey, Mason Plum Plumley, uh, Bradley Beal, and DeMarco Murray. Do you think they go, we would rather have a little bit less money and more star power for the league, or it's just going to be bottom dollar? And, uh, I mean, what an eclectic group of athletes right here. Yeah, that's a strange pairing. seems like anybody who ever played anything could just kind of get in on this. So, um Baseball, I mean, when is baseball – what has baseball done in the last four months slash 150 years? I'm making dollar signs right now. It's all yeah. about the Benjamins, baby. Baseball – every action baseball does seems to be directly uh, directed by the cash incentive. So would it be fun to get A-Rod in an owner booth? Yeah. Would it be is Steve Cohen just some hedge fund doucher? Probably. I don't know very well. But if he can offer almost a billion more, you probably take the extra billion. So in one of the ultimate examples of the pot calling the kettle black in sports, I mean, Alex Rodriguez, we know how much money he's worth. He's literally, as a former player, trying to buy a team that he played against. And 
He twice as a player reset the record book for the biggest contract in baseball history, both with the Rangers and then when he opted out with the Yankees, 252, $275 million respectively. And A-Rod said regarding a salary cap this week, the only way it's going to happen is if they get to the table and say the number one goal, let's get from 10 to $15 billion, and then we'll split the economics evenly. But that's the type of conversation instead of fighting and fighting against each other because there's too much competition out there right now. On Friday, A-Rod said, yesterday when I was asked about the CBA expiring in 2021, I answered honestly but never mentioned the word salary cap. I suggested on the call that both sides, players and owners, work together to make baseball as big as the NFL and the NBA. I've been in contact with Tony Clark, the executive director of the MLBPA, to make sure we're aligned in taking our support sport to the next level and showcasing the world's both best athletes. Hey, Rod, I know you want to be an owner, and this is a very owner-like thing to say. And even if – I do think he's right on some level here in what he's saying, where he doesn't specifically mention the word salary cap, but, again, it's always going to be conveyed as such when you're talking revenue sharing. A-Rod can't be the guy to bring this up. Of maybe any other player in baseball history, he cannot be the guy. I, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. I like A-Rod. Uh, people probably don't want to hear him crying for or him trying to talk about fin- equality from a financial standpoint since he is – since he set that record – he set that record in 2001 and beat it himself in 2007. And it wasn't really clo- touched for almost a decade. Yeah, I feel like until Stan and we, the closest we got was like the Felix. T- I think the closest were probably the Felix 210. I think Vado got right around. Pujols, even Pools' Angels contract wasn't. Pools and Cano both got 240. I think Miggy got like 225. Votto got somewhere in the 200 range. Prince Fielder got, I think, 215. But again, we're still talking $35 million at best, less than what A-Rod got, and seven, eight years after the fact. Yes. That is true. It's just, it's unbelievable. I love A-Rod. I want to love A-Rod. Um, it's interesting to me that he won't be covering Mets games because Jessica Mendoza last year covered Mets games when she was literally an employee of the team. But whatever, ESPN do you. But I just think A-Rod's got to choose his words as wisely as possible, even if he's trying to appeal to the rest of the owners. Yeah. Do, do it a little bit better, A-Rod, but, keep, but you're doing great. So another Yankee who has rightfully taken PR beatings uh, is Domingo Herman. So you remember last year, Herman. That was just weird. I, that, this whole Herman thing is freaking weird. So he got, he's currently serving an 81-game suspension uh, resulting from a domestic abuse scandal last year. That's not the weird part. That is that, no, no, I'm just, I'm just setting the context. Uh, 63 games of which would have been served, so he would have been eligible for the postseason this year. And he posted on his Instagram page, Mi uh, Fui Del Baseball, and that translates to – I can't believe I don't have the translation here, uh, but basically said, I'm walking away from baseball, which again, Herman, I know he's getting suspended right now. He wouldn't play a ton this year, but this guy won 18 games last year. He was not any just Joe Schmo. Um, Saturday, he clarified his post saying baseball is my life and I'm not walking away. He apologized for his original unsettling post saying he's not being ready with my teammates while getting ready for the season. Knowing that I have let them down has taken a lot of toll on me. And last night I let the emotions get the best of me. I got two takes here. I mean, look, I do one, too. it's weird that Spanish, um, the past participle for boys, fui. Yes, true. It took me a very long time to get that in, in Spanish class, middle school, high school. I mean, look, my, my first take is I get it, Herman, you're not with your teammates, but this is directly your fault. Nobody else caused you to make the stupid decision that you made where you absolutely deserved every game that you got suspended for. Um, but my other thing is, it's like as a Yankee fan, I read this, and you know, the, even from a baseball side of things, look, Herman's got a lot of upside, but you see these guys, Clark Schmidt, Mike King, Debbie Garcia, that we've seen in summer camp. We got arms on the way. And my biggest thing was Herman is his off-the-field mistake that he made. And again, I want to make it very clear, the suspension was completely warranted. I think with Herman, the Yankees beat the Astros last year. And I really do think they make it to the World Series. Because there were so many games in that Astros series, whether it was Severino, Chad Green with the opener, we just didn't get length. And Herman last year, he won 18 games. For a big stretch, he was one of our best pitchers. 
I think, was it last year or two years ago, where you and I went to a game where him and CeCe piggybacked against the White Sox, and it was a, the most casual two-hitter we've ever been to. I think it was two years ago, but yeah. Um, so for those who are also just still focusing on the Spanish conjugation of ear, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Definitely an irregular verb. Um, but your Herman, I mean, he's suspended. I can't believe the Yankees keep him on the like if I if he was on my team, he'd have been cut immediately. Um, but the Yankees kept him on the roster for a reason, and that's probably because of his potential as a pitcher. So he's he's good. Uh, this Instagram shit was weird, and that's all I got, really. I just think for a guy like Herman, I just really have no patience for this, just because again. Your stupid actions, in my mind, cost my team a shot at the World Series. Well, Chase, again, you're doing the thing wrong. You're focusing on the baseball aspect of what he did, which is not the right way to look at it. No, I do. That's why I prefaced. I think he deserves every game of the suspension. But that's why when I hear he retires, instead of it's like, oh, no, I miss Herman. Like, I read that last night, and I was like, you know what? Good riddance, dude. Like, you're an asshole off the field. You're an asshole on the field in this case. Uh, All right. That's luck to you. Sayonara. Good. All right, I'll, I'll accept that. Um, but somebody who is a great story, um, Daniel Bard. So Daniel Bard is 35 years old. I remember Daniel Bard. He was a former top pick of the Red Sox. Came up, was kind of going to be the heir apparent to Papelbon once he left for Philly. Um, and he made the Rockies as a 35-year-old this year. And it'll be his first time on the mound since the 2013 season, a span covering seven years and three months. Or as some have pointed out, his superstar teammate Nolan Arenado's entire MLB career. Um, where does this rank in your mind in terms of the top comeback stories in baseball, we'll say over the past five to 10 years? Well, it's not as good as Papelbon's. I, I can't believe you brought up another buzzword of mine. First with Fui and then with Papelbon. Like, can we get more, can we do more Papelbon related content on the show, please? I mean, dude, if Pavelbon had made it one or two years, I think one or two more years and cleared the 400 save mark, I think he's a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Instead, he's remembered for choking out Bryce Harper. But wait, focus on the – focus on the – On the comeback? On who are the be- – uh, And then I'll reap some praise on Pavelbon. All right. I'm trying to think. Comeback, comeback, comeback. Um, I feel like the comeback stories aren't really good until they're um, – and cement it. You have to see how they come back. Because if, if Bard sucks, then it's then it's not much. Um, a lot of comeback stories come from, like, do I want to talk about the Josh Hamiltons of the world in this sense? It's, it's a little different. No, I don't think we talk about Hamilton because he uh, has turned guess- on natural colors. I think for me, this is in the top three of the past decade or so uh, with Rich Hill who was pitching for the Long Island Ducks and is now still pitching in the bigs and was a huge part of all those Dodgers postseason teams. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is Matt Bush, who, you know, served a couple years in prison. So we can't talk. So why don't we talk about Hamilton? Because I think Matt Bush is now on the positive side. The last we spoke about Josh Hamilton, not for nothing, was uh, domestic abuse with his children. Josh Hamilton, murderer. Very casually. That's a whole separate conversation. But he Matt might be Bush, the most – is he the most casual murderer walking ever, around today? Ever, period. I got it between him and Matthew Broderick. I'm going to give it to Hamilton because Hamilton's happened at a baseball game. Hamilton's right. happened in front of thousands of thousands of people. Um, but Matt Butch is up there for me because he served his time in prison and shed the bust label to become a major league relief pitcher. So I think that goes up there because he was a shortstop who transitioned to a completely different position. And I guess on that note, you got to have Rick and Keel up there in the vein of Daniel Bard. Uh, I'm actually, I, I want to get the names right. Um, so you keep talking. All right, while you do that, I'll heap some praise on Papelbon. I mean, Papelbon was at a baseball at 35, which we've seen relief pitchers pitch forever and ever. Came up when he was 24. But, I mean, you look at the guy's resume – Six-time All-Star, which for a relief pitcher, good amount. Uh, had his ring. Finished with 368 saves, um, which is still good for ninth all-time. But again, 244 ERA, 1.043 whip. Those are elite numbers. 10 Ks per nine. 4.37 strikeout-to-walk ratio, which is great. You know, I think he's a guy, if he passed 400 saves, 
you know, you compare his career to a guy like Bruce Suter's, I think Papelman would have to be in the Hall of Fame if he crossed 400 um, because I think he has the Billy Wagner-type dominance, but the difference would have been that was the duration of his career. Yeah, Papelbon was really good. I'm, you, take out, you take out Papelbon's last season in the bigs in 2016, and he would have finished with – and, of course, this is now not loading. Uh, he would have finished with 349 saves, but he would have finished with a 2.35 ERA and a 1.022 whip. Yeah, that was a beast. So I hate Jonathan Papelbon, the person, but as a pitcher, I think he was a year or two away from Cooperstown. He'll be on the ballot. Yeah. I just think he's a guy who won't get any support just because I think the numbers are a little short as a closer, and he was a notorious dick. Yeah, those are both fair. Um, on, a sad, on a bit more of a somber note, to the families of the late Shannon Stone, Anna Gallagher, and Margaret Doherty, um, we are sorry for your loss uh, at the hands of Josh Hamilton and Matthew Broderick. I thought at first you just said Sharon Stone, and I was like, dude, Sharon Stone is definitely still alive. No, if I, uh, I did a seamless transition from Jonathan Papelbon into, uh, into three condolences. Fair enough. But we will end on a positive note, uh, and we're going to do – so, again, I mean, we did a rewatchables uh, last week, and going forward we will not be doing that. Baseball's back, so – you need to now, do an awards picks, Chase. We skipped over the awards picks. Also. You are so right, and that is really important. So uh, we both said rookie of the year. We don't know enough rookies, but I'll just say I think Luis Robert is the favorite, and he's going to win it. It's going to be between him and Bo Bichette, and I think the White Sox make a bigger jump than the Blue Jays. NL rookies, I'm not even going to pretend to know a lot of them, so we're going to skip that. Uh, so let's start with – let's do uh, manager of the year first. Um. I'm tempted to go Rick Renteria now because I do think the White Sox make that jump. Um, but, you know, I think they give it to Dusty. I think the Astros are going to be so head and shoulders above every other team in that division. Um, and Dusty's just going to be the perfect face to turn that franchise around. And people love Dusty. Is Dusty, I mean, I'm sure Dusty's won a couple times before. but he's won, I think he's won it three times. Well, he's Five due for it. I think he's won it three times with three different teams, honestly, because I think he won it with the Cubs, the Reds, and the Giants. He won it 93 with the Giants, 97 with the Giants, and 2000, believe it or not, also with the Giants. Wow. So, yeah, I think four-time manager of the year at that point. I, I mean, for you, you're, you're based on your picks. This is the year Dusty punches his ticket to Cooperstown. He'll be a four-time manager of the year and finally have the ring, at which point I think there's no question Dusty between his managerial playing career is in Cooperstown whenever he hangs And you know what? I think he just walks away and gives the job back to Hinch. Yeah. And what other thing people forget, Dusty Baker invented the high five. He did. He, so he should be in the, the cool Hall of Fame already. If that right. AL manager of the year. Uh, again, I think the manager of the year is hard because it's so rarely the manager who presides over the best team, but the biggest – usually it's the biggest surprise. Um, so I think – I'm going to go with Chris Woodward, uh, the manager of the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to be above 500. They're going to surprise some teams. Will not be the playoffs, but I think will take a right step in the right direction, and it will be one of those manager of the year wins. Interesting. Who do you got in the National League? We may have the same one here. I'm, I wrote two guys down, and I'm completely changing it because of our conversations today. All right, Bell. All Reds. I'm going to go with David Bell, too. I think the Reds are right around playoff contention this year. I mean, we both had them in the playoffs, so I can live with that. Cy Young, let's go. I think Dusty never did win manager of the year with the Reds. Yeah. Cy Young's National League, who you got? He's due. He's due. He's due. Short season. King Clayton gets number four. Here he, now he starts cementing his case um, for greatest pitcher ever. Because once you have four, you're in that conversation. So I think the runner-up is going to be Steven Strasburg because of the shortened season. Um, but I'm going to go with the same Cy Young pick back-to-back years. You know I love this guy, Jack Flaherty. I think this is the year he – vaults himself into the upper echelon of starters. You are an addict for Jack Flaherty, Chase. 
Love what I see. All right, who you got in the American League? My American League pick is very outside the box with a slight asterisk next to I had two. When I started, I was going to give it to Berrios because I love the Twins. But I think the Twins are going to be up a bunch of runs in these games just because of the homers, so they may not pitch Berrios super deep. So I changed it to Giolito. Let's go with so far two White Sox award winners in there. I think he's going to have to pitch really well down the stretch, and that team gets in. And I think he can. I think he can put together two months of a, a nine and one record with a two ERA. So I'm going to go in the American League, a guy who some may argue is the third best starter on his own team. But I think in a shortened season, it's just all about numbers that jump off the page. And I think this guy's strikeout and ERA title totals are going to jump off the page for a good team. Uh, pitching the playoffs last year, I think he's got up unlimited potential. Uh, my AL Cy Young pick in a 60-game season, Tyler Glass now. Not a bad pick. I just think 60 games for a guy like that, he just gets into a groove and the numbers could be crazy. Yeah. That's, again, it's anything can happen. It is a short season. All right, National League MVP, who you got? Uh, Acuna. I think he's – He's so, so he's, good. I, what, 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 what's his weakness? He's inassailable on that fight. He's, um, he got nothing. He would have been 40-40 had he not gotten hurt last year. I don't expect he'll be 40-40 in a 60-game season. But maybe they just run him like crazy and see if he gets a 40 steals to make up for it. I love Ronald Acuna. I picked him seventh in fantasy last year and rode him to a championship, so I will always be near and dear. I'm going to go with another young player in the NL East, and this is plain and simple, another guy that I have full-on drank the Kool-Aid on, along with Jack Flaherty. I think at 21, 21 or 22 years old, either way, super young, Juan Soto is your National League MVP. Yep, those are very on-brand picks for you, Chase. Well, so is my American League pick, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> um. Kind of like what you, I think it's harder to have numbers jump out the page as a pitcher. So for the MVP in the I'm, I just went for the guy who I think is going to lead the league in home runs on a good team, and uh, I think Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to take Stanton. I'm going to also keep it close to home. Uh, for year the past few years, if you would ask me who's the most important player on the Yankees, I would have said Aaron Judge, no question. Now I don't think I would give the same answer. Because I think this guy is officially the engine that stirs the Yankees' offense. Glaber Torres. Yeah, that's a good pick. I'm not going to hate on a Yankee pick. You seem to hate on the Stanton pick. Dude, I would be ecstatic if Stanton wins the MVP, especially. Well, how unrealistic is that Stanton ends up hitting close to 20 homers and leads the league? He's just got to keep the average around 285, and I think it's a very doable MVP. Done. All right, okay. so those are MVP picks. Um, so for our last draft prior to the regular season, uh, and again, we're ditching rewatchables, but I do think we're going to keep the drafts going forward because it allows us to do some fun research and it's just a good way to wrap up the show, I think. Uh, so we're going to do our 2020 season draft. Uh, the rosters are going to be your starting nine with a DH, five starting pitchers, three relief pitchers. Um, I think last week I was the one who picked which pick I had. So I will throw it to you. Do you want the first pick or the snake pick? Um, I'll take the first pick. Okay. So you make the pick, and then I have a follow-up question based on who you pick. Oh, man, this is tough. I, I just say, you know what? I, I preach scarcity. Uh, I preach it all the time. So I'm going to take Jose Altuve. First overall of the 2020 season. Wow. He's the best second baseman in the league. And I think he's going to – if nothing else, I know he's going to give me a bunch of hits in these 60 games. So, I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's a slight chance I let you grab Trout at four. Oh, um, he's off my board. He's not on my board. So, I'm going to go with uh, – if he's off your board with that in mind. I'm going to take him last pick. I'm not taking Trout. I'm gonna I don't think he's gonna, I think he's going to play half the season, Jason. I'm going to grab um, the guy who I thought should have won the NL MVP last year, Christian Yelich, and I will grab the guy you mentioned who I also think is an absolute stud, and that's Ronald Acuna. 
All right, well, then I'm going to take Soto just to piss you off. Let's take Littlefoot. I'll trade him. I'll trade him. No, no, no. That's, uh, that's okay. Um, all right, at this point, I might as well round out my outfield then with uh, Mookie Betts. He also was not on my board because I think there's some chance of him ca- with that free agency impending. I'd be uh, – that's why I didn't make my board. Mm. I'm not really. I, I think he'll be fine, but that that was the thinking there. Um, I'll take Glaber. I'll kind of take Glaber short Torres. All right, I'm gonna get. You know, I think there's fifty. There's guys. There's fifty homer hitter at first last year, and Freddie Freeman. But Freeman worries me with the Corona concerns. Uh, so I'm gonna plug in Cody Bellinger at first base. Is he still? Is he still allowed to play first? He's still eligible for first in fantasy. Okay. I did the mock draft yesterday, and the first round they put him at first, and I was really, really agitated about it. All right. So I guess you have no morals. What do you mean I have no morals? You have no morals. You get get angry at one thing, and then you do the same thing. Yeah, it's okay. Double standards are a huge part of sports. Look at the past however many months we've been talking. No convictions. No conviction out of Chase. All right. Your pick. I know I said Giolito and Kershaw for the Cy Young, but I can't not take Garrett Cole. All right, so you take Garrett Cole, and then I will grab uh, – I'll grab Max. I'll take JT, Real Muto, the best catcher in baseball. Not, he is a free agent, though, but I think he's uh, just that much better than all the other. I will uh... – I think the back injury is okay, so I'll get Max and DeGrom. Yeah, you took Okunia, so I'm going to take Jack Flaherty also. Oof, that one really hurts. Yeah. Um, I like what you were doing. All right, I'll get one more starter, then I'll go Justin Verlander. That's fine. Keep taking Astros, Chase. No conviction. I have one Astro. You took an Astro with the first pick in the draft. Not even the best Astro. Yeah. But the most consistent, I would say. All right, over to you. Hmm. Let me take Judge because – no, fuck, I'm not taking Judge. I'm taking Stan. I'm a, I have more confidence in Stan and Stan Hill than Judge. Um, I'll take Strasburg. That's a good pick. Um – that was a good pick. I'll take – can we just not do relief pitchers at this point? We'll do – no, let's still do them. They're, the good ones are such heinous people, Chase. They're such awful people. All right, we can do – we can scrap relief pitchers then because I'm looking at this list and, uh, yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> All that said, to Kirby Yates, uh, Liam Hendricks, Taylor Rogers, and Ken Giles – we apologize for the rest. Henry Jansen too, even though you're not. You're just... We apologize for uh, some of your top relief teammates for being bad people. All right, your pick. I mean, uh, I'm going to take Harper. I think Harper is another guy who, in a 60 game sample, can be better than everyone. Um, I'm going to round out my rotation with uh, Walker Bueller. You and I did. Okay, so we're both leaving. Are we playing chicken on third base? Because I think there's two. Or am I, you know, I'll just take Arenado. When he's on, who's better than Arenado? Um, I'm going to grab uh, – do I want another Astro? No. Yes, you do. Nah, I'll take Rendon. Okay. Interesting pick. Not what I would have done. Not what I would have done at all. Um. Well, I'm going to take Kershaw because I said he'll win the Cy Young. All right, I'll take Lindor and plug him in at short. I'll take Giolito because I – oh. I'll take Giolito because I said he'll win the other Cy Young. Um, I will – I mean, I, one of us has got to have him. I'll take Trout and DH him. <laughs> Dangerous pick, Chase. You know what? I got to take the risk. <laughs> I'm going to take Luis Castillo. You didn't take him, right? No. I will take him and round up my rotation that way. Pretty good. 
All right, so I need a second baseman and a catcher. So second base, I will uh, – hey, Bregman never played second base, right? No, James. That's huge. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll stay close to home. Um, as much as I love Cattell Marte, I, give me DJ. With this coronavirus? I think he'll be fine. He's a machine. That's risky. I'm going to take a first – you're going to – I would assume you'd allow this. I'm going to take a high upside first baseman. Vlad Guerrero Jr. I don't nice know if playing. he gets yeah. – Nice, playing first base. Wouldn't have the fantasy eligibility, but, you know, we got to consider real life. At some point, we have to consider real life. But I'm going to take Vlad Jr. in second or first. So now Still. I have one pick left, and it's my DH. All right, so a catcher, I, dude, I think Gary could have a big year, but with this pitching staff, I think they'll lose their marbles at Gary missing balls. Um, so I'm going to go with Yasmani Grandal and get a switch hitting catcher. All right, so DH – there's, there's. Can I just read you the names I have left on my board, Chase, before I make the pick? Sure. Gary. Goldschmidt. But that's only because of first. Uh, it won't be Goldschmidt. Um, Trevor Story. Fernando Tatis. Machado. And, you know, I'm gonna do it. I am going to do it, Chase. Your reigning AL home run champion, Jorge Soler. I think it's a good pick. I mean, other guys on my board, I had Springer, but that only would have been in the outfield. I think for DH, guys I would have considered were Judge, Arnado. Judge also is on the board, but I, the health thing gets me. Judge, Arnado, but Coors Field scares me. I took Arenado. Oh, um, and maybe Pete. You know what? Pete was him. I was going to take Pete and put him at first, but for some reason I thought you were – yeah, I, was, I meant to take him instead of Vlad. Oops. All right. So our, 20, Vlad. our 2020 teams, and we will revisit this after the season to see whose team did better. I got yeah, Grandal catcher, Bellinger at first, DJ at second, Lindor at short, short, Rendon at third, Mookie Yelich, Acuna across, Trout, DHing, Scherzer, DeGrom, Verlander, Strasburg, and Walker, Texas Ranger, Bueller, rounding out the rotation. All right. So I uh, JT at the, behind the plate. An infield of Arenado, Glaber Torres, Jose Altuve, and Vlad Jr. Good thing we're only looking for offense. <laughs> and then an outfield of Harper, Soto, and Stanton. Again, good thing we're only looking for offense. And then D.H. Jorge Soler, who only plays offense. So that one kind of works. I think that absolutely works. Oh, and my pitchers. Yeah, you got to get the pitchers. Um. Garrett Cole, Jack Flaherty, Luis Castillo, and the Cy Young Award winners in both leagues, Clayton Kershaw and Lucas Giolito. Bryce, sticking with his picks till the very end, as he said, one thing I lacked with one thing I lacked in this draft was conviction, and he is absolutely full of it. Uh, we got baseball back this week. We got Yanks Nationals Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, followed by Dodgers Giants at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, should be a good opening slate Saturday, followed by a bunch of games Friday. I don't love that the Yankees have one of their six days off the entire season on the second day of the season, but such is life, I guess. Uh, any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Uh, get your flu shots. It's flu season, folks. Get those flu shots because we got a lot of baseball to watch. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Wadorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show.